Welcome to the official podcast of the Mount Terubido Seventh-day Adventist Church. Thank you for joining us for our series, Under the Shadow of Tuskegee. Our speaker for today is Pastor Mark S. Raphael Sr. Our message is entitled, Help. Speak under the subject, help, 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 help. How many need some help? Need some help? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful, Lord God, that you are indeed an awesome God. Nothing is impossible with you. But in fact, all things are possible with you. We ask, Lord God, as we take this time in your word, your Holy Spirit will speak to me, your Holy Spirit will speak to us, and that we would see Jesus. This is our prayer. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Let the church of the living God say, amen and amen. Let's bless the Lord with our hands, church. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. All right, children, so um, what happened was uh, typically, I try to have something for you guys at the end of the service if you remember to write down a certain word or how many times a word is mentioned. But I, I thought Pastor Kelly was going to be here, so uh, I don't have that. But if I say the word help, children, I want you to write it down. And on next week, I'll make sure I bring something for every kid that comes, whether you were here or not. But for those who were here, write down how many times do I say the word help. Now, that didn't count. All right. Let's turn to our Bibles to Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 16. Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 16. We're going to be talking today about Jesus and the idea of help. Luke chapter 4 and verse 16 says, When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. And I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, so if it's a little different than what's on the screen or what's in your Bibles, uh, just uh, try to follow along. It says, And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your ears. This day has this scripture been fulfilled in your ears. Jesus has come back home. Jesus has been different places, but now Jesus has come back home. He's come to his home church. He's come where he grew up. He's come where his family grew up. He's come where his mom was the head deaconess. And his father led out in AY, or MV, I'm sorry. 
He's come back home and, and they said, hey, 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 boy, you, 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 you're a home son. You go on up there and, and preach. And, and he gets the Bible and he opens it up to Isaiah. And there in Isaiah, he finds the scripture that was inspired, that God inspired Isaiah to write on his behalf. You know, you need to know where you come from. I need to know where I come from. I, I need to know who I represent and whose I am. Jesus knew whose he was because his parents had taught him. How many of your parents taught you and, and trained you up in the way that you should go that when you're old, you would not depart from it? Yeah, yeah, I see a few hands and some hands are not up. And so I'm assuming then that your parents didn't train you up in the right way, but, but you made it here anyhow. Someone say amen. So Jesus is at home. Jesus is with his family. Jesus is sitting down and they ask him to stand up. He stands up. He quotes this scripture or reads this scripture. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. We ought not do anything unless we believe the spirit of the Lord is upon us. We ought not do anything uh, for the Lord except we understand that we have been anointed by God. Jesus understood this and he said he came to bring good news to the poor. Jesus came to help the poor. Our, Our acronym today, HELP, stands for heal, emancipate, live, and preach. Heal, emancipate, Live and preach. Someone say help. Someone say help. Someone say help. Heal, emancipate, live and preach. Jesus, the scripture that Jesus read, uh, uh, models this, models this command to help somebody. Jesus said he came to bring new good news to the poor. It says that he came to give sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free. But I've always wondered, why did it say that he gave good news to the poor? How many of y'all feel poor? Sometimes I feel poor. You know, it's all relative, right? It's all relative. Sometimes I feel poor. And and, and in my poor condition, in that that sense, in that perspective and context of feeling poor, I've asked the Lord, well, why did he give good news to the poor? Why didn't he give money to the poor? How many of y'all can use just a little more money? Just a little more. Just a little more money. Huh? Okay, okay. Put your hands down. How many of you have asked God this week for some money? Yeah, 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 yeah. We, how many of you asked, told God, I'm poor, I need some good news? Other than there's some money, more money in the bank, Right? Somebody, anonymous donor, put some money in my bank. Found my bank account and put some money in my bank. That's the good news I want to hear. I want to hear, hey, the mailman's on his way. He done brought you some mail. There's a check in the mail, a money order in the mail for you. That's the good news I want to hear. I don't know about you. But Jesus said he came to give the good news to the poor. Now, that teaches us that some of us know if any of us are poor, It's not because of money. Because if it was because of money, Jesus would have said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to give money to the poor. 
So, so if we're poor, it's not because we lack money. It's because we lack the good news. There's something about the good news. There's something about what Jesus did when he came on, came to earth, lived here for 33 years and died for us. There's something about the good news that Jesus gave that helps poor people. Jesus says he came to give the good news. He says he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. He came to let people know they could be set free and recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what Jesus said. Jesus came to help. Now let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 1 and let's see if Jesus did what Jesus said he would do. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 says the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, back to Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. God doesn't do anything before showing it to his prophets, to his servants, the prophets, and, and unless you and I are prophets, we need to be where? In the Word, where the prophets are, amen? It doesn't say God won't. God will give some of us the gift of prophecy, but, but if you have not given that gift, then, then you need, like me, to be in the Word. Isaiah is a wonderful book. In fact, Isaiah is called the, the gospel, the, the Old Testament gospel book, because it says so many wonderful things about Jesus, Verse 4 says, John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their what? Sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he, he ate locusts with wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with who? The Holy Spirit. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? If you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, just raise your hand. You've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You know, when I was growing up, you would never raise your hand on that one. That would have been a trick question. That would have been a trick question. They would have sure enough got you in some Bible studies. They would have put you back in the pool if you raised your hand talking about you. You baptized with the Holy Ghost. Man, <laughs> you didn't mess up when you did that. Right? But thank God. Amen. The Word of God says that when we take Christ into our life, we then, be, we then receive the Holy Spirit into our lives. Now, i got another question for you. How many of you have been living like you got the Holy Spirit in your life? I got that same question for myself. Have I been living like I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Now, 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 we'll talk about that on a personal level in just a moment, on a, on a spiritual level. But what kind of power have you exercised recently? When the, it talks about people getting the Holy Ghost and having the Holy Spirit, they're performing miracles. They're, they're healing people. They're helping people. They're emancipating people. Hmm? They are doing mighty and awesome and wonderful things in the name of Jesus. When they've got the Holy Spirit. And John says, I baptize you in water, but Jesus is coming. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And I, I want to encourage you to be praying that God will help you to understand what that means. 
Not only that, but that God will help you to begin to operate in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our lives should be different. We shouldn't be down in the mouth all the time. Every time something goes wrong, we shouldn't be complaining about it. We should be able to be positive because we serve a living Savior. The Word of God says that the resurrection power that was given to Jesus is the same Spirit or the same Holy Spirit that we have. And so if we have that kind of spirit and Jesus had that kind of spirit, we should be doing some of the things, how many things? Some of the things that Jesus was doing. We should be helping somebody. So it says, it says this, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized. I'm in verse nine of Mark chapter one and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, now, do we have anybody here who, who your cousin is here? You have a cousin who's here today. You have a cousin who's here today? Anyone? I see a hand here. Can you and your cousin stand up? All right, I see some cousins right there in the back. I see some cousins here. And one point out, like, you got cousin, girl, you better stand up. Don't, don't be, don't be having me standing by myself. Look at the cousins. Let's put our hands together for the cousins. You may have a seat. John was cousins with Jesus. Jesus and his cousin, I'm sure they spend some time together. A lot of times we look at the Bible and we, we make it so disconnected from our lives. And we fail to realize just how connected it is. And Jesus, in fact, when, when Jesus came to save some people, he came to his own people. He didn't come and, and was not born in, in Italy. He wasn't born in Greece. Jesus wasn't born in Spain. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the homeland of his people. God is not racist, but God does believe in family. God does believe in in those who come up in the same home. It says he puts the solitary in families. There's something about the family that's very important to God. And when Jesus came to this earth, he came and he lived among his family. And he was baptized by his cousin. And his cousin was able to say something good about him and say, I'm nothing. He's everything. He was able to be humble. I don't know about you, but but me and my cousins were always in some kind of competition. Come on. Yeah, you know, especially your parents kind of mess you up. You know what I'm saying? Hey, sis, Mark just got all A's today. He brought in all A's. And if if their child didn't bring in all A's, you know I was hated. You know when we came over the house and they said, hey, we all playing in the back room. You know, when the cousins invite you in the back room, we all playing in the back room. Why don't you come along, Mark? Just come on. Come on. We just all playing. We all family. We all family. But these cousins were not in competition with each other. When someone came to John and they said, hey, John, uh, uh, Jesus is baptizing more folks than you. He, his congregation is a little bigger than yours. His Sabbath school class is bigger, too, you know. And uh, his ministry, man, his ministry is booming. I mean, but yours? John, y'all, you ain't doing so good. What's up? And then John said, wait, wait. He must increase. And I must decrease. 
That's, that's the relationship. We're going to talk about family in just a little bit, just before we get ready to close. So now, it says here in verse, in verse 11, And a voice from heaven, and a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved, with, who, with you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Talking about Jesus. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, before we go to verse 14 and, and 15, sometimes we teach people the wrong thing about when they give their life to Jesus. Man, your life going to be so good. And it is, but we need to give them the context of that. Come on. It's going to be good, but it's going to be bad too. Jesus himself, after he was baptized with the in water and with the Holy Ghost, after God declares he's his son, goes into the wilderness and for 40 days, 40 days tempted of the devil. Jesus couldn't get no help, it seemed. Jesus is tempted of the devil, and we should assume that when you've had your, I don't know about you, but man, you ever have a good worship? Man, that'd be my worst days. I'd get up in the morning, I'd be all blessed, I'd be praising God, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And the worst day, it seems, because the devil wants to take away your joy. The devil wants to disappoint you, wants to discourage you, until you see that worship don't work. That <laughs> worship don't work. You should have... And now you late to work. <laughs> I thought your Jesus cared about you. You had worship, had a bad day, and late to work. Okay. So something happened to Jesus. This was not an easy time for Jesus. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is come near. Repent and believe in the good news. I want to park it just for a little bit. How many of you given your life to Jesus? When you and I gave our life to Jesus, we were forsaking. We were forsaking everything that we had done in our past. Wasn't that how you felt? That's how I felt. I felt like I, I, I'm done with all this life that I'm living. I'm done, God. I don't want this life anymore. And yet, isn't it something how we allow creeping compromises after we give our life to Jesus? And all of a sudden, it doesn't matter how we live. It just matters how we believe. Well, if that was the case, I didn't need to get baptized. I was doing bad all by myself really good. I didn't need any help with that. But when Jesus comes into your life, he comes to change your life. And so when Jesus comes, he doesn't come and say, you're a wonderful person. He says, no, you're a sinner. But I came to save you. You're wretched, but I came to clothe you. You're blind, but I came to give you sight. You're poor, but I came to give you the good news. There's something wrong with you, but I've got the antidote. I can fix it. You don't want your doctor talking to you when you, if you got cancer or some sickness, tell much, you know, your, your fingernails, they, you got a good manicure. 
You don't want them talking about, man, you got a full head of hair or you got uh, almost a full head of hair on your beard. You don't want them talking about the superfluous stuff. You want them to talk to you about what your condition is so they can fix your condition. When Jesus comes into our life, it's not to tell us how good we are. It's to tell us how bad life has been for us because now sin is in our life and he came to change it. He came to die for it. He came to forgive it and he came to deliver us from it. We must get back to what Jesus came here to do. He came to change us. He came to change our lives, not so our lives can continue to remain the same. Jesus came to help us for real, for real. Repent, repent, repent and believe in the good news. Now, let's look at how Jesus did this. We're going to get ready to close. Talked about help. We're going to ask our musicians to come forward. It says, as Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee... He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for who? For people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, I want to pause to say these were men of Galilee. This is where Jesus grew up. So Jesus is not only hanging out with his family. Jesus is hanging out with his friends and his neighbors. A lot of times we feel like we got to reach people who are across the globe while Jesus was reaching people in his family and reaching people in his community. Jesus was reaching his neighbors. When, when Jesus came along and, and asked Peter and them, it, well, I'm sure they had seen Jesus somewhere. Galilee ain't that big. So Jesus came to men of Galilee and Jesus himself was from Galilee. Jesus was in the same area in the same what? In the same area, calling the people who lived and grew up in the same town and the same conditions that he grew up in. You know, there's a book called The Miseducation of the Negro. And, and, and in fact, I don't know if some of y'all, I know y'all, before you were saved, you, you heard, you used to listen to Lauren Hill before you were saved. Anyway, so what happened was, no, so she had a CD called The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. And it showed how she had been miseducated in love. That's what that whole CD project about, how she got miseducated in love. But how she found where true love comes from. And it comes from God. And it comes from loving herself. And, and that's what, what her thing was. And that's really what... Carter G. Woodson, who's the one who started Black History Month, that's really what his book is about, The Miseducation of the Negro. Get it. I mean, it's worth getting. You would think that he was writing it right now. But what he says is that when we go to school, how, how many of us have been blessed enough to, to get some training in, in, in colleges, universities? And, oh yeah. so, so what he said was, when we go to the universities, we've been miseducated if we don't come back to our people and make a difference. And teach them what we have learned and use the abilities that we have developed and use the minds that we have been developed to help them. That, that we've been miseducated if we do anything but that. 
And then a lot of schools that people would go to, they were taught to, to go and use their gifts outside of their community. But Jesus is using his gifts inside the community. It says here in verse 21 of Mark chapter 1, they went to Capernaum and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his, at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The community that he grew up in, he's now changed somebody's life. Today we might have said this person had a mental health condition. But instead of turning his back on him, Instead of laughing under his hand about it, instead of ignoring him, he spoke to him and he touched him and he commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. Jesus said that's what he came to do. He came to deliver the captives. This man was held captive by the devil and Jesus came and delivered him. Jesus indeed came to help. You keep reading through, through this chapter and, and the other chapters, chapter 1 and chapter 2, and you see Jesus continuing to heal, continuing to emancipate, continuing to live the gospel, and continuing to preach the gospel. Church, last week we talked about how we can help people outside these walls. I don't know about you, but I have a burden also for those inside these walls. There are people who I hear from time to time and they tell me they've lost their job. These are people with multiple degrees, but they're unemployed. There are people I talk to sometimes and sometimes you talk to them too and, and they're sick unto death. They've got a condition and they're not talking about it all the time, but they have a condition. They need healing in their body. There are people who are homeless right here in this congregation. That homeless may not be they're on the street, but they're in someone else's home. You ever been to someone else's home? I know I have. It's real tough. There are people who are just praying that someone will invite them to potluck today or to their home to eat. Hmm? There are people sitting in these pews. There are kids who can't even read and they're second, third, fourth grade level. Fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade in this church. What are we doing to help? I have something.
That's the circle God brings us up in. And it seems we spend a lot of time going around the circle. Skipping over the circle. Turning our back to the circle. When this is a circle he has put us in. He's put us in Riverside. This is our circle. He's put us in Mount Rubido. This is our circle. Jesus came into his town, into Nazareth, and I came to heal. I've been anointed to do some great things right here. And the Bible says he couldn't do very much there because the people didn't believe. He came to his own people. He came to his own community, but they didn't want to hear him because it says they like darkness rather than light. But Jesus also came into his own home. And think about the thing we talk about the most about Jesus was three and a half years of ministry. Where was he the other 30 years? He was at home. He was at home in his community. Now, the last thing I want to say I have a burden for. It's our own families. We will work in family ministry. We'll be here on time for every event that we have sponsored. When our own family's at home, wondering where we are. We will stand up and preach. And we haven't, aren't even having worship with our own kids. We will study our Sabbath school lesson, but won't read our kids a book as they go to sleep at night. We will put some money together and send it across the seas when our kids may not even have enough lunch money. I have a burden. Maybe you do too. It's not just about those outside these walls. It's not just about those inside, though it's about both. But it's also about what's happening in our own families. Sometimes we're watching the television so much that we're not watching our children. We know more about the characteristics and the desires of the people in that soap opera, whether it's night or day, that we watch than we do about our own kids' interests and desires and struggles. But Jesus put us in our families so that we could help our families. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, If any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own household. He has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. We pray that this message has been a blessing to you, so much so that you would be willing to share it as a witness. As always, thank you again for joining us and tune in weekly for more inspirational messages that will prayerfully give you a more intimate relationship with God.